Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stressed and distressed, restructuring and post-reorg in the European and CMEA markets. It's Tuesday, December 19th, and I'm Andrew Ross. Coming up this week, we'll be discussing German home care provider GHD, which has attracted the attention of investors and restructuring advisors following its recent underperformance. Then we'll run through the key highlights from the primary market this past week. But first, we'll be hearing from senior credit analyst Cedric Hessen to discuss Reorg's latest quarterly global report focused on the automotive sector. Hi Cedric, could you tell us more about the focus of this automotive report? Certainly. This report builds on two sector reports published earlier this year, and it is diving into key data points and news relevant to high-yield issuers and crossover issuers in the automotive sectors, whether they are OEMs, suppliers, and dealerships. It covers industry forecasts, earning releases, credit metric trends, and um, market prices of dead instruments. One thing I found very interesting is that the report mentions the impact of labor strikes in the US on the big tree's profitability. What can you tell us about the lasting effects and the guidance provided by Ford, GM, and Stellantis? Yeah, the labor strikes produced a high level of disruptions across the industry, with production stoppages for five weeks and reverberation across the entire value chain uh, since then. In terms of financial impact, um, at the big three, Ford anticipates a negative impact of $1.3 billion for 2023. General Motors and Stellantis expect each $800 million uh, impact. Looking ahead, the agreements include a 25%, so 25% base wage increase through 2028, cost of living adjustments, uh, added benefits for, for retirees and workers, etc., etc. So the question now is whether this increase in cost will be supported by uh, the consumers or by automakers, given the current concerns from consumers on um, affordability and the price-driven competition in uh, certain categories. So this is definitely a significant factor to watch in the coming quarters and coming years. The report mentions downward pressure on prices affecting margins at the dealership level among U.S. auto retailers. Could you elaborate on the challenges faced by this group of credits? Certainly, higher borrowing costs are squeezing margins at the dealership level, impacting both new and used car sales. This makes the overall credit outlook for U.S. auto dealerships less favorable. The key takeaway section mentions that automotive market trends are set to soften in 2024. Could you elaborate on the projections for light vehicle sales growth and any other significant factors influencing the market? Well, 2023 was undoubtedly the beginning of the recovery for the industry after the pandemic, the ship shortage issue, the broad cost inflation issue, etc. So light vehicle sales in 2023 are up by double-digit rates in Europe and the US and more like mid-single-digit rate in China. However, the recovery was more driven by the release of pent-up demand after delays in the supply chain. Now, for 2024, global automotive markets are set to perform more in line with the sluggish economic growth. So overall, we expect more modest growth. 
S&P Global Mobility, which is which used to be known as uh, IHS Automotive, now forecasts global light vehicle sales to grow by about two and a half percent from projections of three to five percent um, just a few months ago. With the U.S. and Europe recording growth rates of two to three percent, and mainland China growing uh, a little bit more by maybe mid-single digit. Having said that, automotive OEMs under our coverage they report healthy order books, so they should be able, uh, I would say, for most to sustain the growth that they have experienced so far this year. The report also provides insights into specific automotive companies like Jaguar, Land Rover, Aston Martin, and McLaren. Could you highlight the key points regarding their financial performance and risk-reward perspectives? So, based on our analysis, we have um, a positive view on Jaguar Land Rover because the company is on track to deliver on its guidance for the year uh, in terms of cash generation. They are uh, guiding for generating more than £2 billion of free cash flow and they are guiding to reduce the net debt by £1 billion. They also expect net debt to fall further to be to below one billion pounds by early 2025 from 2.2 billion pounds last reported. The cash flows are supported by the business order book of around 200,000 units, of which 76% consist of profitable premium models. So overall, solid performance in the last 12 months, and we expect an even stronger performance looking uh, looking ahead. Having said that, the company is also planning a full relaunch of the Jaguar brand as a fully electric brand, which carries execution risk and could lead to a pickup in CapEx in the medium term. Still in the UK, we are more cautious on Aston Martin and McLaren, which in our view are not so compelling from a risk-reward perspective. McLaren uh, has burned so far this year 400 million pounds uh, and they have a weak liquidity, just 55 million pounds as of September. The business continues to receive to receive uh, financial support from its largest shareholder, uh, Muntalakat, which is the sovereign wealth fund of Bahrain. So a default in the short term is not really forcing. As per Aston Martin, which has as largest shareholders the Canadian billionaire Lawrence Troll and the Saudi Arabia Sovereign Wealth Fund. It is appointed in the first half of the year from a volume and cash standpoint, and it is appointed again in the third quarter. In the first half of the year, they burnt 200 million pounds of cash, and in the third quarter, another 80 million a million pounds of cash. The full year volume guidance was reduced after production delays and weak volumes in the US and Asia Pacific. And the company now intends to undertake, I quote, a full sum refinancing exercise during the first half of the year of next year, which we interpret essentially as a signal for new money need. Another name in our radar in Europe is the supplier Grupo Antolin. We have questions on uh, the business ability to deleverage through cash generation. A cost-saving plan was launched earlier this year, aiming to increase margins, but progress has been quite slow, to be honest, so far this year. Headroom under the leverage 
covenant is also uh, quite limited. So the new CEO, um, who, used the who used to be the company CFO and was appointed um, just in October this year, doesn't have a lot of margin and time to deliver. And to, to, to finish, in terms of pricing, uh, Jaguar five-year bonds are yielding around 5.5%. Aston Martin um, bonds are yielding around 10%. Antolin's bonds around 12 and McLaren's bonds around 15%. Thank you, Cedric. And for our listeners who wish to know more, uh, do check out Reorg's quarterly global report on the automotive sector, which is available on the Reorg website, reorg.com. We would like to hear your feedback to help us improve the podcast experience. So please take a moment to complete a short survey in the link attached to this podcast and let us know how we're doing. We're now joined by reporter Farouk Balak. Hi, Farouk. You wrote about German home care provider GHD. Can you tell us what's the issue with the credit? Hello, Andrew. Yes, uh, GHD is a distressed credit closely monitored by investors and restructuring advisors following its recent underperformance. It is important for the group to turn around operational performance and improve its credit metrics ahead of the refinancing of its 2026 debt maturities. Okay, but isn't it too early to worry about refinancing of debt maturities in 2026? Well, uh, the market doesn't think so. As we speak, the company's uh, 360 million euros term loan, which is due in August of 2026, is quoted at 65. And it has been around that level for a while. Um, given its elevated leverage at above 10 times, uh, the group's capital structure is unsustainable and liquidity could come under pressure if operational performance uh, weakens further. Another concern is around the group's um, 80 million RCF uh, due February 2026. The RCF, uh, which remains undrawn as of December 2022, has a senior secured springing covenant at 11.15 times, if drawn by more than 40%, and that could uh, result in a stop draw. Uh, additionally, there are concerns that the group may struggle to improve its performance under what remains a challenging market environment. I see. And when you say a challenging market environment, what exactly do you mean? That's a very good question. Um, the group's net interest expense for fiscal 2021 was 15 million and Euribor was negative at the time. Uh, since GHD's term loan, which pays Euribor plus uh, 400 bips, is not hashed, the increase in interest rates could squeeze its liquidity. Um, GHD is owned by Nordic Capital and caters to patients at home or retirement homes, um, hospitals and other care facilities. It was impacted by the pandemic-induced disruptions, including a structural shortage of uh, qualified medical personnel, continued price pressures from insurance companies and competition from regional players. And these challenges are likely to continue. What's their liquidity position and do we have any visibility on trade outlook or financials for 2023? Well, as of December 31, uh, 2022, the group's liquidity totaled 110 million, comprising 30 million in cash and 80 million in undrawn RCF. Since it's a private name, we don't have access to the latest financials, so we don't know um, their current liquidity position. It is also unclear if the group has uh, improved its performance. However, leverage is expected to remain above eight times in 2023, according to a Modi's report from March. According to Modi's, the group's revenue and EBITDA are expected to grow in the low single digit um, during 2023 and a good part of 2024. Um, credit rating uh, agencies are expecting GHD's stoma division and wholesale division to grow by high single digit in 2023 
which will partially offset home care divisions uh, expected underperformance. Joining us now is Leverage Finance reporter Beatrice Merolian. Hi Beatrice, what has been going on in the primary market this past week? This week, no new primary deals were launched. Last week, investors successfully pushed back on the documentation for laboratory operator Synlabs notes, which was the most aggressive seen in the market in 2023, according to Reorg's legal analysis. This was interesting because many buy-siders have commented that the challenging primary market of recent months and, and years represented an opportunity which was largely missed to claw back territory lost as a result of increasingly loose covenants over the last decade or so. The covenants on Synlab's notes include aggressive sponsor-friendly provisions um, such as um, ratio debt baskets sub- subjects to a, uh, a no-worsening test, a dividend-to-debt toggle basket, a two-times contribution debt basket, and available amount basket. Investor pressure resent- resulted in a reduction of the risk of value leakage and future priming debt. As a result, day one c- capacities to make investments and pay dividends decreased. The notes were also downsized to 450 million euros from 550 million euros alongside a 100 million upsizing of Synlabs uh, loan to 1 billion euros and priced at a tightened 7.875% coupon um, compared with price talk in the 8.25% area. A number of deals, particularly in the loan market, wrapped up syndication ahead of the Christmas break last week. Investors also highlighted the challenging economics of some deals. Drug delivery device company Nimera's dual currency 590 million euro equivalent term loan B transaction was challenging in terms of high capital expenditure, eroding free cash flow generation, making it difficult for the issuer to service its debt, some investors said. However, the euro portion of the deal priced tight at a 98.50 ID compared with initial price talk in the range of 97.5 and 98 for the euro tranche. The 490 million euro term loan B for port operator Euroports, which was downsized from 500 million euros, was also a very aggressive transaction for a company in a cyclical sector with no free cash flow generation. Um, the the deal whose use of proceeds included um, repaying a fund co-loan w- could also be seen as a shareholder distribution, uh, by Sider said. Beyond documentation, the Synlab transaction was also aggressive in terms of high leverage, which is 4.8 times on a pro forma net basis, but most, li- uh, most likely much higher on an unadjusted basis. The deal was also fully um, a fully debt-funded public-to-private transaction with no equity check provided by the sponsor. Additionally, um, although Synlab is arguably one of the better laboratory operators, all companies in the sector are struggling with high personnel costs and the lost, loss of COVID testing revenue. Investors who considered French identity technology provider Edemia's term loan B add-on highlighted that the company has experienced solid performance this year, following very strong performance last year. Edemia benefits from scale, in-house chip design capability, and has a significant market share. However, as with all technology businesses, the capital expenditure and research and development expenses needed to stay ahead of competition and continue growing are substantial, which combined with high interest costs erode free cash flow generation.
Join Reorg for a webinar as our expert team delves into global manufacturer of eye surgery products, BVI Medicals Underperformance, the sponsor's capital structure strategy and potential lender outcomes at 3 p.m. GMT or 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, January 10th. Reorg's Mariana Irklienko and Oscar Lurica will also be at Deal Catalyst European Direct Lending and Middle Market Conference on January 29th. Mariana will speak on the rapid ascent of private credit, while Oscar will discuss the evolving role of banks in private credit. For more details, visit reorg.com forward slash events. More information on all the situations and events discussed in this podcast are available on our website reorg.com. We look forward to seeing you in the new year for another Reorg Europe podcast. Until then, we wish you happy holidays and thanks for listening.